Hello there and welcome to episode 54 of the podcast we call Right on Track where we talk all things Thomas the Tank Engine and friends. We are continuing our journey through series 7. My name of course is Parry as they refer to me here and I'm not joined alone. I am with my good friend and fellow presenter Connor Jonas. Hello to you Connor. Hello Parry. Hello. It's a good day. It's a good day. As we said a couple of episodes ago, it's always a good day when we're recording the Right on Track <laughs> podcast. And we are not joined by Denim once again, uh, so we've had to call our old mate Lachlan Kyle, and he is joining us once again. Hello, Lachlan. Hello again. It's, Hello. It's good to be here again. <laughs> you are, right now, the most consistent guest host. Yes, this is like my third time, I think. It's it's a strange thought, but yes, you are the the returning third time guest host twice in one season. Yeah, you know, bravo, congratulations on that. There's no prize, there's no sticker, more of a punishment, really. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, we are very pleased, Lachlan, that you can be here and that we can waste your time. Um, but, but... <laughs> Thank you very much. And we are, of course, covering three more stories from the seventh series. Uh, Connor, why don't you tell us what they are? The three stories that we're going to be covering today are Toby's Windmill, Bad Day at Castle Lock, and Reneus and the Roller Coaster. I thought rolling the R's there would make it more eccentric. Yes, rolling my R's is something I can't do, Okay, okay, (laughs) okay. And with that, we are going to jump right into our first episode, Toby's Windmill. Toby is, well, we'll say distracted by one of his favourite sights. One day, Toby was collecting a load of flour to take to the market. But he was so busy watching the windmill sails that he forgot to look where he was going. The flour was damaged and the miller was upset. If I can't sell my flour, I'll have to shut down the windmill. I'm sorry, sighed Toby. Distracted is definitely the word, Connor. Uh, Poor old Toby, he's so enamoured by his favourite place that he forgets to concentrate on what he's doing and he ruins a perfectly good load of flour that would have earned its miller a vast sum, no doubt. Yes, a sum that may have gone towards repairing the windmill because it's old, it's battered, the blades have got holes in it. This is the point I wanted to make. I mean, this accident, it's supposed to set up the conflict for the rest of the story, but it's it's pointless because the thing that brings the miller undone is a storm which occurs later that evening and it sees the windmill being completely destroyed. So even if Toby hadn't have had that accident earlier in the day, they still would have ended up in the same position. There still would have been no more windmill. I would have preferred just a little bit of friendly exposition recounting Toby's time at the windmill instead mm. of Toby having an accident. Quite right, yes. Uh, Lachlan, why don't you give us a brief summary or synopsis about Toby's windmill? What happens? So, Toby has a friend, the miller, who owns the windmill, and it's Toby's job to take the flour and whatnot to the market. Toby, one day, is distracted by the beauty of the windmill, if you could say it is beautiful, but... (laughs) Oh, harsh words. (laughs) Well, just looking at it. Anyway... Toby then crashes into the truck, spilling flour everywhere, and the miller then says, if I can't get 
this fly out to the market, I won't be able to afford to keep the operation running. Mm. That night, a storm occurs, completely destroying the windmill, fortunately. Haha. Then uh, the island sees that the windmill is destroyed, but fortunately for the miller and Toby, Toby finds a great big log, and he has the bright idea of using that to rebuild the windmill. Mm. I would say they did a bang-up job of making the windmill. Like, I mean... I, I would have thought it would have taken days to build a big wooden windmill cut now, down hold, the tree. Hold, hold, Connor, I know where you're going with this, but hold on. Michael Angelus does say in his narration that it took a very long time. This isn't a day's worth of building that we're seeing here. Is so a long time is automatically over a day? No, no, it, it's it's over several days. I'm just saying that they didn't show the several days worth. It was just a brief montage which made it appear as though. It only took a short amount of time. The clouds are in the same place. Well, they didn't have time to rearrange the backgrounds of Rob Gold Galliers. Literally, everything but the windmill is in the same place. <laughs> in fact, actually, throughout the entire actual construction sequence of the windmill, mm. you can see a brown truck used in the background to carrying supplies, and it is in the exact same place the entire time. Well, hold on, they've got a red truck that comes in, and that that's not there oh. the entire time. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about the brown truck and the white van in the background. They're always there, and they're very much in the way. Oh. This is a barn raising. <sighs> this is done like an Amish barn raising, where it's just built within seconds. So now we're throwing out references to Witness, the 1985 film starring Harrison Ford, directed by Peter Weir. I mean, Connor, what's going on here? Yes, exactly. I am throwing out a reference to Witness, Parry. Very surprised you picked up on that. Of course I am. Lachlan, I've got no idea what he's on about. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't even know. But yes, the, the windmill's rebuilt and he saved the windmill. produces more flour than ever now. Da, 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 da. But, so, this is... It's weird. Uh, I, a lot of times there are stories that are weird, but... I feel this one is weirder particularly in shots because a lot of it uses B-roll of Toby. Like, there's a lot of B-roll in this episode. So, in the very opening sequences, we see Toby travelling along Canal, which is a shot from Series 5. We see him going along what looks like a beachside route, which is a shot from Series 4. Yeah, you see shots of the Scalo Railway from Series 4, but they're always a classic to use. Mm -hmm. And I even get a shot of... Thomas and the Watermill, which I believe is from Series 6. Yes. I think so. I, I believe you might be right, Connor. Now, I, I wanted to raise this point, actually, talking of Thomas and Watermills. There is a perfectly good windmill, right? We see it in mm. the opening sequence. Why not use that? Like, substitute that? I mean, if you're going to have a windmill being destroyed, why not that one? Because it's such an integral part of the history of the show. Of course, it's always in the opening scene. You see what I'm saying, right? Why have this yeah. old, rustic windmill that apparently only Toby knows the whereabouts of and utilises, and why not just use this big, classic one that everyone loves? And that brings me to yeah. another point, actually. You remember how a couple of episodes ago we were talking about Edward's Brass Band and Denham said that you could just about substitute any character in this story? Yes. I feel much the same way about this one. I feel it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Toby or Edward or Duck or Thomas or Percy, you know, they could put just about any engine 
in this narrative and it wouldn't change a thing. It'll be exactly the same. You see, you say Percy mm. in original storyboards by Robert Gould Galliers, mm. it suggests that Percy was originally going to be the titular character of the episode. Uh-huh. But I argue that Toby suits the windmill much better as they're both outdated forms of technology with long flat blades and are essentially an over-glorified shed. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oops. I, I, it's a... It, it's a mean thing to say, but like, I mean... The last time you said this, Connor, there were angry mobs that were trying to break down our studio door. Yeah, yes, yes, but you you cannot argue with me here that a windmill is very much an overglorified shed. It serves an important purpose. I mean, it makes flour. Yes, it's overglorified. But a shed is for storage. A windmill actually does something. Is storage not doing something? No, it's not. It's just storing things. That's all it's doing. It's storing things. It is doing something. That's not making things, though. (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Let's say the windmill is more interesting because it has moving bits on it. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Toby, you can't see coupling rods. Not as interesting. I I agree with you there, Lachlan. That is what Lachlan was saying. And I'm not putting words in his mouth there. I'm not throwing other people under the bus with me. Wait. (laughs) But, yes, Toby's windmill. It's a story because you could substitute any character with it. This very much falls into the same area as Edward's brass band because this is Toby's only speaking role in seventh series. Mm. And I argue that's the reason why there's so much B-roll used of Toby because they didn't have any footage of him. I I think that's a fair assessment. Kind of. Uh, can we come back to the architecture? Because um, Lachlan was mentioning before, you know, Toby's windmill, it's not exactly a pretty sight. I, I do agree with him. It's not exactly a Van Gogh painting, but it looks quite rustic. And I think it suits the setting and the story well, because you've got this old windmill, which has come apart in a storm, but it, it there's a quaintness to it, I feel. It's very quaint. And the actual sort of, short and stout nature of it with a curved roof and a sharp sloping angles very much makes me think of the the stereotypical dutch windmill mm-hmm. yeah that kind of design it falls in that stereotypical box and bouncing from your point earlier parry about why didn't they use the windmill in the title sequence mm. i would say that's because they don't have it anymore yeah i mean it's probably been thrown away but they could reconstruct it oh yeah they surely. could reconstruct it but even then how would you get the kind of storyline with the tracks right near the windmill when for literally the past six seven seasons of the show we've been looking at that windmill without tracks near it so you you could always say that there's a different angle that you could see it from but i i feel they just made a new windmill instead of using that one because they don't have it and the area looks nothing like it well let's put this another way we don't have to have toby coming up right to the windmill right yes agreed let's remove the fact that toby works at the windmill Okay, Mm -hmm. let's just say it's a windmill on the side of the track and it's one of his favourite things. He loves looking at it. Yep. If we keep that element in there and still have the storm striking the windmill and it falling apart, that's more or less the same narrative, right? Oh, yeah. So so what you're saying is instead of it being Toby's windmill, it will Mm. be Toby and the windmill. Yes, correct. Which 
in one release of this episode, it's called Toby in the Windmill, which is a much more fitting title. It is. But of course, as they say at the end of the narration, it's now called Toby's Windmill. So, yeah, there is another thing that bothers me here, and is I'm getting a lot of Henry's Forest vibes. Yes. Uh, this episode shares a lot in common with a bunch of different episodes where mm. there is some kind of loved thing or problem that occurs. Mm. A storm happens mm-hmm. and the thing is destroyed or whatnot and they need to fix it or they find a thing to fix it. Like, if anything, I'd say Toby's windmill has got a lot more in common with the episode of... The Refreshment Ladies Tea Shop. Which we covered last episode of the podcast. Yeah, because very much there's been a big storm and Mm. then Toby slash Peter Sam finds a tree, an old coach, and then they use it to make the tea shop, the windmill. (sighs) But story aside though, what this episode does well is that storm. It is is a pretty impressive storm and the damage, that's pretty good too. Yeah, the, the storm itself, you look at Toby's shed and you can see the actual rain, water droplets that they're using all over it. The windmill has got brilliant practical and rather obvious computer-generated effects used on it. You can see the roof cave in and the blades fall down, but my, my favourite shot has been the rest of the roof drops to the ground right in front of the sort of white van that's always there. Mm. And it has just got so much weight to it. You're not going to let up on that van, are you? (laughs) Oh, no. No, I'm not. I just love that storm. And Series 7 seems to love storms, overall. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. being the third we've seen so far? I believe so, yes. After Edward's Brass Band and, yeah, the the Refreshment Ladies Tea Shop. Yes. And we will see another one in Salty Stormy Tales. That we will, yes. Which leads to a theory, as I've, I've heard this theory before, and I quite like it, that all of these stories are happening at the same time. Ooh, I do like that. That is a good theory. Because the characters from them don't overlap, mm-hmm. and they just all have the same big story. Like, you can't say that this period of time on Sodor, of Series 7 has got four massive storms that occur at once. Mm-hmm. Just have one massive storm and lay them over the top of each other. And then I feel you've got this almost much greater, larger story about how this storm is affecting all of them. And that would make sense because the night before the storm, remember, Edward had his accident mm-hmm. and the fat controller went to the docks to speak to Salty Edward's accident was at the docks, so, you know, two birds and all that. How else could we work our way into it? Well, remember how Bertie had to take the brass band passengers? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it could have been the case that there were no other engines available. Because they were dealing with the aftermath of the storm. That's a possibility, yes. Or or that it happened at the evening before they were busy, because remember... Thomas, Percy, Emily, and Salty were all at the docks yes. the evening before the storm. One other thing that I feel tends a lot to this theory is actually the devastation the storm has caused. Yes. Because the roads are all flooded. You've mm-hmm. got trees felled down everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, those kinds of storms rarely occur in such a power. Yes. Uh, 
especially like not multiple times in a year. But that is a theory that I really like the idea of, because then it connects these good or sort of subpar episodes of Series 7, and it just glues them all together. And then you get one image of a massive storm. Hmm. Yes, Season 7 does like their storms, but they can be used in places where they don't need to be and not in places where it should be better, i.e. going back to Scarlow in the Iron Bridge or whatever that episode was called. There uh-huh. should have been a storm there, which uh-huh. would probably solidify that theory a bit more. I will say, um, <clears throat> going back to the windmill, I-, I like the idea that they should have used the one that we see in the title sequence because if this episode was at the very end of the season... Aha, uh-huh, no, I see, I see where you're going with this. That windmill was destroyed, and then it was rebuilt to the white one we see in season eight onwards mm-hmm. for the when title the sequence. title sequence changes to the engine roll call. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. As a nice segue, in, or, or like a foreshadow to the next season. And that would mean that the um, classic windmill that we see... Uh, in the title sequence from series one, actually does get a place in an episode and is uh, talked about instead of just being seen in the title sequence and, you know, as engines are passing by. And it would also get a bit of a send-off. Exactly, yeah. I think that would have been cool. Now, I I do have one more complaint about the story. Hmm. I feel Toby's accident is very unlikely. Because his driver should be in control and not Toby. Well, not just that, but but Toby is very much described as an old, wise engine, and here oh, he's yeah, and that as well, yeah. just sort of gazing at a windmill, not looking at where he's going, and then ploughing into three flower trucks. No, I, I, no, I'm with you. I remember again being younger and watching this story. It felt very unbecoming of his character to do something like that. But yeah, I, I feel that sto- that accident really isn't needed, which leads into where this has come from. Because whilst this is written by Jan Page, the story is by David Mitten. And in fact, this is the last storyline by David Mitten ever. Oh, no. Oh. Which means that we've just been trash-talking very much David Mitten's last story. Who we oh. wrote things, beautiful stories that we've all loved and grown up watching. Oh, dear. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. guilty now. Kind of feels like we're tarnishing his legacy. I, I, oh, I held off on that just just so you all felt the pain I did. No, what, what I feel is that this story definitely could have worked. I like the idea of Toby liking a windmill. I like the idea of it being destroyed. I like the idea of Toby having some kind of resolution to it. I feel what is down here is actually the writing and not the story itself. Okay. And, like, if you need any more proof that this is a David Mitten story, the storm, the lightning strike, the the explosion. explosion. Yes. (laughs) Which is so David Mitten. That it is. Well, O'Connor, since you've brought the whole mood down, why don't you give (laughs) us your score? Listen, I love the visuals of this episode. Visually, I cannot fault it apart from the excessive use of B-roll. The Mm. trope of... Big storm, find something, fix the thing. It's it's a little tiring at this point. But the storm sequence, as always, is beautiful. The practical effects are amazing. The mm-hmm. only fallible point of this entire story is the writing itself. So for that, I'm just going to go middle of the road and aim for a five. 
Okay. Well, I, I'm going to give it slightly less and go for a four. I mean, it does pay me to do it, but this is a story which I just find rather forgettable. It doesn't really excite me all that much. I mean, there are nice visuals. It's always good to see Toby, but it's just, it doesn't do a lot for me. Lachlan? I'm going to have to go agree with you there, Tom, and go with uh, just, a, just a four. I feel okay. like Toby wasn't really significant till the very end. He's just there for pretty much the first and second act. But in the third act, he, he finds the log to rebuild the windmill. And that's about mm. all he really did. I feel like it was an afterthought to write an episode for Toby, hence being his only speaking role in this season. Yeah, that's about it. Four out of ten for me. Now, last time we had you on, our own Tom Denham reached out to you and gave you his scores. Has he done that again? Has he played (laughs) favouritism? Sorry to say, but yes, he has. Yes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, So what's Denham scored this episode then? So for Tom Denham's score for Toby's windmill. A rather quaint story with some nice storm action. The windmill prop itself is very cool. Toby's in good form here too. Would have been cool to see the windmill in future stories, but you can definitely tell it's a merchandising stint. Mm-hmm. Six out of ten. Okay. 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 He, he He's the highest, but he's, he's not straying too far from the plot. Yeah. Mm. Was there any actual merchandise of Toby's windmill? Oh, there yes. Uh, mm. There were three wooden railway products. One Trackmaster product and two Megablocks products. Ah, after only appearing in one episode. Yes. Yep. Right. But moving from David Mitten's last story, not as writer, but just story, it's a bit of a bad thing that, you know, we're going to be sad, mm. but let's hear about another bad day. More specifically, a bad day at Castle Lock. Where are you going? asked Percy. Lord Callan's castle, Donald proudly announced. By Castle Lock. I'm glad I'm not going to Castle Lock, wished Percy nervously. Scared the monster might get you, teased Douglas. He might, said Donald. There's no monster. There is two. There is not. Is two. Is not. Is two. He did too and he did not. I did that exact same joke in series six. Now the Scottish twins, a bad day at Castle Lock, but Jenny McDead. Can you understand me, guys? Uh, yes, we can, but okay. I'm sure there will be a lot of angry Scots listeners saying, that's not what I sound like. <laughs> okay, so, bad day at Castle Lock, Jenny McDade. So, Donald and Douglas, with the assistance of Harvey, have been loaded up with bunting because grand celebration is happening for the reopening of Lord Callan's castle, called Castle Lock. Mm. And they're at the docks, and Percy's there. He's glad that he's not going there because there's a monster. Yes. Why is Percy there? They wanted a scared character. Hmm. That's it. I suppose so. The thing is, Percy doesn't even introduce the monster to the story. All that happens is Percy says, I'm glad I'm not going to Castle Lock. Yes, as we heard in the clip just before. Yes. However, on their way to the castle, there is a bit of an issue. That there is Connor. So, first of all, they have to stop because there are trees falling in front of them on the tracks. And then, when they stop, there's a landslide and it wipes away their brake van. And we would assume the poor guard is in the back as well. Yeah, a very ex-machina landslide that's knocked out just the back of their train. 
perfectly mm, trapping them. Yes. Also, did the guard survive? Like, is we he don't hurt? Know. Like, we don't hear the line, luckily no one was hurt. No, we don't. And, and like, I mean... I'm hoping that the guard is hurt, or else the alternative is there was no guard. Oh, and they just had a brake van at the back for, you know, to say... Yeah, 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 just to appease me, because they go, ah, you want brake vans at the back? We'll give you brake vans at the back, but without a guard. Mm. Which, ooh, (laughs) I like... Well, let's be honest, though. Whenever there's an accident, the guards just jump clear anyway, so it's not like they're any use to anybody. Fair. (laughs) Fair. But yes, and so Donald and Douglas are stuck there overnight when a monster arrives. It's quite a visually appealing scene because you see Mm -hmm. the causeway castle lit up in the distance and then in the fog you have moving towards them the long bent neck and sloping curved body of the breakdown train in Harvey. Ha, mm. you thought it was going to be the Loch Ness Monster. Ah! <laughs> You've brought up a very good point there, Lachlan. Because mm. nowhere in this story does it say Loch Ness Monster. No, it doesn't. Well, they don't even, they don't say the word Ness, and that's the clear thing. Because in Scottish dialect, a loch is the name they give to a lake, essentially. You know, a closed yes. body of water. So when they say Castle Loch, it's just Castle Lake. Yes, exactly. Yet, despite the fact that they never describe the monster and they never say Loch Ness or Nessie or anything. Everyone always says that it is the Loch Ness monster. Yes. Which, like, I mean, yeah, I, I fully understand, like, visually, it, Harvey and the Breakdown Train, that is an absolute Loch Ness monster reference. Mm-hmm. And then Harvey saves them and then there's the celebration. It's fantastic. Mm, yes, it is. Now, a couple of things I want to point out about Harvey here. One, he's got a different voice. Yes. Because, of course, in Series 6, as he introduced, he's got this really meek and high-pitched and a voice which is unsure of himself, whereas in Season 7, he's got a really low-down, gruff voice. His hook dropped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> yes. But the other thing I wanted to point out about Harvey was they mentioned that Donald and Douglas can't cross the causeway to Castle Lock because it's too dangerous. And yet Harvey, who's one of the heaviest engines on the island, we noticed because Cranky had trouble lowering him down, he's able to cross it no problem. Like one hint, yes, it's true. He would be one of the heaviest engines because he's got an entire crane attached to him. But also Cranky's lifting capacity is very, very inconsistent. But, yes, what I feel this episode does so well is just little visuals throughout the whole thing. Because the actual castle lock layout and set with the tall pine trees and the almost bluey-green water and the Scottish twins is Mm -hmm. amazing. The actual landslide itself, we see it from upon the hill, looking Mm. down towards the brake van that's knocked over. And then there's, of course, the fog and my favourite bit, Splendid outfit, sir. Cut to Sir Topham Hatt in a kilt. (laughs) Like, it's a good kilt. It's formal. But also, seeing this guy wearing a half suit with a kilt is absolutely hilarious. It's almost as hilarious as seeing him dressed as the devil. Yes, or a wizard. I'm sure that'll never happen. (laughs) Another thing I like is that this episode... It's added something to the Scottish twins. Pride in their Scottish heritage. Yes, but furthermore, Mm. homesickness. Oh. Ah. Because previously, their their characters started off as 
don't get sent home. Hmm. But now they've added the thing of, could we maybe get sent home every now and then? We're missing home. We're proud of our Scottish heritage. And that's sort of what Castle Lock is. It's Scotland on Sodal. Off topic, but fun bit of trivia. Bad Day at Castle Lock by Jenny McDade. The title itself is a reference to a 1955 film noir western, Bad Day at Black Rock. Uh-huh. Ah. Ah. Uh, uh, there's nothing in common with the film and the episode we're reviewing, uh, apart from the fact that they both feature trains in some capacity. Mm. Now, this is the only speaking of Donald and Douglas in the seventh series. Oh, a common theme I see happening yeah. here. They won't turn uh, together again until the eleventh series, Gordon and the Engineer. Mm-hmm. And this will be their last main role until the twentieth series, Love Me Tender. Oh no, that's a long way. Yeah, it's a long way. So, with all that in mind, ratings. Ooh, um, I I do really enjoy this episode. I think it's quite humorous. I love the banter between Donald and Douglas. I love the spooky mystery element. Some of the logic is a bit flawed, sure, but, you know, it, it's a fun time. You know, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. I'm feeling generous. I'm going to jump right in with you there, Parry. It's an 8 from me. I wish that maybe they'd played more on the monster idea. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a second discussion mm-hmm. about the monster before it appeared. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, it's absolutely a stunning episode and it's great to see the Scottish twins. Mm. Lachlan. I think I'm feeling a bit generous as well. I think I think I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Donald Douglas are really cool characters. I, I do enjoy a good Donald Douglas episode. It was mostly just the visuals for me. I think the dark, gloomy night where they're stuck at the lock, and the visual gag of it being Harvey bringing the works train, and it looks like mm. the Loch Ness monster. Mm. I think it's actually better that it's not explicitly said to be the monster. And yet yeah, the fat troll being dressed up as a Scot as well. And mm. the that last <laughs> scene with Donald Douglas at the platform next to the castle, that was really cool. Mm. Uh, and of course, we have to know what Denham's score is now and what his thoughts are. So Tom's score for Bad Day at Castle Lock. Donald and Douglas are still a rather faint version of who they should be. Ryder should have taken notes from season two. The castle causeway is cool. Nice to see Harvey get some more limelight, however, and interact with the twins. Tom gave it a 5 out of 10. So he enjoyed mm. it and he still gave it a 5 out of 10. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's getting more critique Yeah. Now, I'm glad he's not here. I'll, I'll rip into him. <laughs> old age. It's the old age that's getting yeah. to him. In the beard. Mm. And before we head into our final story today, it is, of course, time for our musical interlude. And today we've got something with a bit of a Donald and Douglas theme. It's from Sudrian Afro, and it's his cover of the staff credits from Super Mario 64. Hope you enjoy.
was Sodrin Afro's remix of the staff role from Super Mario 64, bashed up with Donald and Douglas's theme. You're listening to the Rhyme Track Podcast. We've had a few ups and downs through reviewing the episode, and there are more ups and downs to come with Reneus and the Roller Coaster, as Reneus has been tasked to show some children around the sights of Sodor. Controller came to see Reneus. I have a very important job for you, he boomed. An important job, cried Reneus. Oh, thank you, sir. You are to take some children up into the mountains. You must make sure they have a wonderful time and are back in time for their tea. Yes, sir, said Reneus, but he was worried. He wasn't sure he was good enough to make the trip special. So Reneus has this unenviable task, it must be said, of taking the children around a tour of the island of Sodor, or more specifically, his railway. But because he sees it every day, he doesn't find anything that he's showing the children very interesting. I mean, the children love it, but he doesn't. So what he needs is something to not only entertain the children, but something that will entertain him as well. And he happens to find it when he accidentally heads down an old branch line. Well, I wouldn't say it's an old branch line. It's just a bumpy piece of track. It's not a line that he traverses all that often. Yeah, at least. Mm. He goes up and down over the hills, very, very fast, over bridges, mm. by a waterfall. Children are loving it. Teachers covering her eyes. Yes. And listen, okay. Renee's Roller Coaster. It's a fun story by James Mason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the return of the William Tell Overture theme. Yes. But it doesn't make sense. Hang on, why does it make sense? Because Reneus isn't a runaway train. But he is. He's going along this old line. He's going quite quickly and he's almost out of control. No, he's not. There's an explicit point where they say that he is climbing up the hill, mm. which means that he's had plenty of time and space to actually slow down. <sighs> Like, he's choosing to grow fast here. Am I to take it that you don't enjoy this episode and you're just trying to find holes in it wherever you can, Connor? Oh, no, no, that's the hole I have in it. He goes over bumpy track, like it's bumpy and exciting, sure, but it, it won't cause you to lose control. Hmm. The rest of the episode's actually quite good, more specifically that this is actually Reneus's first solo story. It is his first solo story, indeed, and it's a very good one at that. I really do love it. I particularly yeah. love at the very beginning of the story when the Fat Controller comes up and says that he's got a very important job and Reneus is really excited and then the fat controller says you are to take some children around the island and <laughs> Renace is like yes sir the disappointment on his face is just too much it's great but I very much feel though that it's sad that this is the first time that Renaeus is in the spotlight for a story and given that we haven't gotten to know his character and all that it seems almost out of place because we haven't known Renaeus to be like this real grumpy type character have we no the previous stories they did not cameo in were special funnel steamroller gallant old engine mm. which you could argue who was only in the episode at the very end because the previous part of it was a flashback story yes who was in rusty in the boulder faulty whistles and in duncan duncan which to this point was his biggest role to date hmm this feels so out of character for Reneus, but also we never got to know his character. You're quite right. But of course, it's not all about Reneus. The highlight of this story is 
the roller coaster in the title, watching him go around the lines, it's just entertaining. That's the only word I can use to describe it. It's so much fun, and they make it so much fun. I mean, not just with the music and the background, but they've put everything at slanted angles. It's just wonderful. Yeah, uh, Series 7 is very creative with its camera shots. It is indeed. Lachlan, have you got any comments? I think this episode, now this might be controversial, could have done without the roller coaster bit. What I mean by that is what the episode should have done was Renee's is taking the children around to parts of the island that he's already seen. Maybe at the end of the episode, Renee's is feeling down. He's like, well, I didn't do a very good job of trying to show children the sights of Sodor, but then he finds out that they had a really good time. Mm. That being said, this could have been chopped up into two episodes, I think. An episode just solely based on a quote-unquote roller coaster where Reyes might find an old line and it's a lot bumpier and steeper than usual. Trucks are pushing or something rather than a coach. No, that is a good mm. point. I mean, having the children in the passenger car and it's an open passenger car, I think, as well, isn't it? They're standing up over a viaduct. Yes, they are. <laughs> and it's, 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 there's this sense of peril there. Like, the children are on board. Surely they're at danger. And you even see, like, a shot of the poor teacher who's green in the face going, I can't look! <laughs> Extension to your idea, Lachlan. Yeah. On how he's gone, oh, I've, I've always seen these places. That is when he's switched on to a different line without knowing it. And then mm. he's seeing places that he's never seen before, or maybe he's seeing them from a different angle. Oh. Maybe he's on an old line and is looking across at the viaduct. Maybe he goes through a tunnel he's never been near before. Yeah. So he'll be going by all these places that maybe he hasn't seen before, or that he has seen but not from this angle. That would be the way to make this episode better. Yeah. But, much like many stories in Series 7, I feel that you could replace Reneus with any uh, other character. Not this again. For example, Peter Sam. I think Sir Handel would have been apt, actually. Certainly apt, but Peter Sam was the original storyboard character by Rob Gulgelius, mm. who was going to have the titular role and... His motive was to get the job over as soon as possible instead of making it as special as possible. Because he he didn't think it was that important a job and he wanted to move on to more important jobs. He was also going to have more open coaches, much like the railway series characters of Ada, Jane and Mabel. Mm -hmm. So it was going to be a different story. And on that note, I feel it maybe would have been better. I feel like that would have been a lot better, yeah. If the reason why it's a roller coaster is because Peter Sam's going as fast as he can. However, in the storyboards, it's still because uh, Wayman have thrown him onto the wrong track and whatnot and is crying out help and he thinks he's out of control. This, like Toby in the Windmill, I feel was very much a merchandising story. Hmm. I just had a thought now. Imagine if they introduced the Coldy Fell Railway earlier Ooh. in this season or a season previous, but imagine if Renee's was accidentally switched onto that line and that was the roller coaster. It makes no sense. 
It makes no sense, but hilarious. But it, that would have been awesome. It, it, it would have been <laughs> yeah. quite funny, but it would have been logistically impossible because the Coldyfell Railway, it's a rack and pinion railway. Yes. Yeah. Which means that rather than rely just on the wheels on the rails like the Skarloey Railway does, they've got teeth, basically, to grab the rails and help them up the steep hill. Oh, even better suggestion, what if you applied the roller coaster thing to the Coldyfell Railway? Like, you had one of the characters there, <gasps> there you go, go to the top, and then they accidentally lost traction as they were coming down and I was like Mm. there you go I think the latter half of the episode would have been more suited to the Coldy Fell Railway oh yeah I definitely feel the roller coaster is out of place here and it also doesn't make any sense at all because at any point Renaeus could have slowed down Mm. well I think I've covered all that I need to say Lachlan Connor have you got any additional comments none no Alright then, uh, scores it is then. I was going to give this a very high score, but I think given everything that we've discussed, I'm going to put it down slightly and give it an 8.5 out of 10, because I think there are certain elements of this story I really do enjoy, and on the whole, it is a great story, but... Like Lachlan have said, there are little bits and pieces which maybe would be better suited to another story. Maybe another character would have been better suited to take the lead in this one. So, yeah. But overall, I I think this would be in the top five stories from Series 7. It's really good. And yeah, I love it. I watch it a lot on repeat. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Lachlan? As mentioned, I still get the feeling that this is two episodes squashed into one and it makes no sense. However, mm-hmm. I do enjoy this episode. I do like the roller coaster bit with all the crazy Dutch angles and whatnot, but it's just another bland nothing episode. I, I think we've also mentioned it before. This is another merchandising opportunity. I'm really not sure. I'm just going to have to give it a middle of the road. I'll, I'll give it a five. Oh, okay. Radio. Connor? <sighs> Quite fitting for Reneus, it's a two. Whoa! Are you serious? Woo-hoo! The story can use any other character and the roller coaster part makes no sense. It's entertaining. You've got the music and then you've got the Dutch angles yes, and you've got the children's but in voices. in this story, it being fun is not enough for me to give it a greater score than a two. Oh. Which will lead us on to Denim, who I'm hoping will back me up here. Okay. Lachlan, what are the notes? Uh, I might have to change my score, actually. I agree with you, Connor. I'm going to lower mine to a four. Oh. Okay, but Tom Denham's ratings for Renee's and the Roller Coaster. A very silly episode. Not a lot of substance. Doesn't help the big action sequence of his story that is poorly shot with crazy camera angles. Three out of ten. Oh, what? <laughs> Vindication. What? So this is my better late than never. This yes, your... this is. <laughs> there you go. I don't believe it. This is the story that we don't agree on? That is seriously? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh. Mate, mate, the camera angles, they, they got a hold of you too much. They did. I'll, I'll back you up on that, Harry. I do like the camera angles. It's just everything else just doesn't work. Yeah, camera angles, cool. Not enough for me to raise the score, but... <laughs> That brings us to the end of episode 54 of Right On Track. Uh, Lachlan, thank you once again for filling into Denim. He seems to be disappearing more and more nowadays. Mm. Is there anything that you uh, want to promote? Just my Twitter, which is at Lachlan's Double Rails, and perhaps my Instagram, which is at Lachlan's Double Rails as well. And I also have a YouTube channel, also Lachlan's Double Rails. Okay, and if you want to catch up with us on Twitter, you can check out our handle at OnTrackThomas. You've got uh, Instagram, T-T-T-E underscore Right On Track. The Facebook at Right On Track Thomas Podcast. Yes! Yay! That's exactly right. Well done, Lachlan. 
And of course, you can send us an email as well, rightontrackthomas at gmail.com. I'm afraid that's all for this week. Next week, we'll be returning for more wonderful tales in Series 7. And uh, what are these tales? The four stories we're going to be covering on our next episode of the podcast are Salty Stormy Tale, Snow Engine, Something Fishy, and The Runaway Element. That's in episode 55. And we've also got a special guest lined up up too. Plenty to look forward to there. But until that time comes, I'm still Connor. I'm still Parry. And I'm still Lachlan or Denim. (laughs) And this has been the Ride on Track podcast. Adios, guys. Farewell. See ya. See ya.